Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, here it is. Here it is. You think you're good enough? You think you can have this? It'll go around me, Don. Enough of the chubby jokes, okay? Since Real Church Chili Champion, have you already signed up for this? Have you already registered for this? You gotta register. You gotta register. Can we pull that QR code up here? Can we throw it up there? Hey, listen, if you haven't registered, take your phone out right now and point at the screen. Now let me dude, I'm not that much in the way, Brandon. You better shut up. Take your phone out. I think we got about 10 or 15, 10, about 10 or 12 registered. We need about 20 or 25. Right there. This is what we're vying for. And a $250 gift card to Publix. Anyway, but this is the most important. Right there. Is this going to be on your mantle at Christmas? Are you going to decorate with lights around it? Are you? That's what you have to decide right there. All right. I'm going to. This does not have my picture on it. What do you think? My head looks like a, a round thing here. Eva, can you come get this? I know you're right in the middle of eating, but can you come get this, Eva? Thank you, sweetie. Thank you, Eva. Thank you, Eva. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can just hold it. You're not going to win, but you can hold it, okay? <clears throat> Thank you guys so much for being here today. Ed is 75 today. Ed, happy birthday. You can stand up. Stand up, Ed. All right, stand up. What really we need to do is clap. Denise has put up with him forever. Denise, give Denise a hand. Yes, yeah, all right. Hey, is everybody doing good today? Is everybody doing good? Next Sunday is going to be an incredible day for us, not just because of the chili, but because of other things as well. Uh, We actually, next Sunday, are actually going to be baptizing three people here. Isn't that incredible? <clears throat> it's incredible. It's an incredible time. We've got, um, we've got people who, uh, we've got four people that have come forward and said, hey, we want to join the church, and three of those people will be baptized on Sunday of next week, so that's an exciting thing for us. It's going to be great, y'all. Listen, next week we have, we're having the chili cook-off, and we have all the fixings. Uh, you just have to bring your pots of chili. You need to register, name your chili, uh, and you can win. Uh, we have outside judges. I'm not eligible to win. I am making chili. My chili name is Chili Chili Bang Bang. You like it? You like it? No? All right. I mean, I think I may speak for an hour or two today. Everybody wants to be froggy. I'm going to get froggy. All right. Turn your Bibles to John chapter, uh, John chapter 6. I put John chapter 6 in my notes. It's John chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. John chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. Listen, I want to tell you this. The main goal, we've been going through the book of John for 14 years, and the main goal of the book of John, the main goal of the book of John, is this it's but these are written it's found in john 20 31 it says but these are written so that you may continue to believe 
that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. By believing in Him, you will have life. And today, today's message is going to point directly to this verse. By believing in Him that you may have power. And so today we're going to see how we have life by believing in Him. It's an amazing thing. John 16, verses 16 through 33. <coughs> we'll start, it says this, In a little while you won't see me anymore. This is Jesus talking. But a little while after that you will see me again. And some of the disciples ask each other, What does He mean when He says, In a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me? And that I'm going to the Father. And what does that mean in a little while? We don't understand. And so Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said this. Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve but your grief will be suddenly turned to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her ang anguish gives way to the joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and He will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. And it says, then the disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And I told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Where do you have peace? In Christ is where you have peace. Here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Remember the context here that we're talking about. Jesus has told them you're going to face trials. As a matter of fact, a little, a little bit ago we saw where Jesus says, listen, when people kill you, they're going to think they're doing the right thing. And then they were like, whoa, about the whole people are going to kill us. That's crazy. And Jesus said, I want you to know something. I'm going to be leaving you. But I have to leave you because when I leave you, the Holy Spirit, who we looked at all last week, the Holy Spirit will come and then he continues to tell them things. And he tells them this. He says, in a little while, I am going to be going and you won't see me. But a little while longer, you're going to see me again. And he says this, he says, and while this is happening, when I go, 
you guys are going to be scattered amongst. You're going to depart from me. You're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. And you're going to be scattered around. And you're going to weep. And you're going to mourn. But in a little while longer, you're going to experience overwhelming joy. So what's he talking about? Well, obviously he's talking about this. He's talking about his arrest. He's talking about them scattering for their lives because their fear overwhelmed their faith. Are you with me? Their fear overwhelmed their faith. Now here's something amazing that I want you to realize. If you are a follower in Christ and you mess up and you fail God, I want you to understand something. Jesus is speaking to them right now knowing full well that they are going to abandon Him. But He already has a plan for restoration before the restoration is even needed. I want you to get that. I want you to experience that. I want you to take that all in. The God, the God that loves you, He's already got a plan for when you fail. Now that doesn't mean you have a right to fail. But it does mean that we are not going to be perfect and he understands the fact that we're not going to be perfect. And so their lives are going to be scattered and they are going to go their different ways. He's going to be crucified. They're going to have mourning and then the resurrection is going to happen. And then they're going to have overwhelming joy. So I want to dig in a little deeper and see what this means for us. We know this is what he's talking about, but here's the questions that I always want to ask. What does this say about God? What does this say about us? And what are we going to do with it? What does this say about God? What does this say about us? And what are we going to do with it? The first thing it says about God is this, is that Jesus' completed mission brings us joy. Jesus' completed mission brings us joy. I'll never forget the whole process of Blake being born. All right? Blake being born. It was, it was a long process. Um, and when, when Wendy was pregnant with Blake, uh, there was frustration. Uh, Wendy actually, um, we, we, you know, she, she was pregnant in the summer, which I've heard is a horrible thing. Uh, Blake was born in July. It was super hot, and she was super pregnant, and she was miserable. And then she went to give birth, and there was pain, and there was frustration, and there was anguish. And that was just on the drive to the hospital. And having to put up with me. But there was pain, and there was anguish, and there was frustration, and there was a tension, and there was a building but here's the cool part that happened. The pain and anguish and frustration gave way to joy when he was born. An overwhelming joy. Now, it's interesting to me, I, I, have, I am of the belief that if men had to give birth, that there would be one child period for every family and maybe not even that. Because I'm like, there ain't no way. But it's interesting to me because you would think the pain of labor would make you never want to have another kid again. And honestly, there, there's a family that goes to our school. They're a great family. 
They got like about 35 kids. I'm not kidding you, man. They've got like, they drive a 15-passenger bus. You know what I mean? Not the Duggars. They're not the Duggars. But they do. They, have this, they just love these children. And, they're, and here's the thing. They do a great job with their kids. They're incredible children. Like, they're incredible children. But you would think that the pain of labor would make you not want to have a kid again. But here's the great part. The joy overtakes the pain. I want you to get that. I want you to get that in your brain today. The joy overtakes the pain. As a matter of fact, that which causes the pain brings the joy. I want you to hear that. That which causes the pain brings the joy. The pain that Christ experienced on the cross brought the joy. Jesus' completed mission brings us joy. And here is the great part that I love when it says, and no one, I want you to hear this, and no one can rob you of that joy. And we're going to look at that a little bit later, but no one can rob you of that joy. Not circumstances. Circumstances cannot rob you of that joy. Where is joy found? Well, joy is found, there's an inner peace, an inner joy that wells up from within us. A lot of people always ask, well, does God want me to have joy or does he want me to be happy? And I, want to, I always say, well, why wouldn't he want both? And I hear people say, well, God's more, he's more worried about my, my, my holiness than he is my happiness. And I'm like, Mm, I don't think so. I think he's worried about both. I do. I'm just crazy enough to think he loves us enough to do. I, I, think he's, I think he's worried about both. I do. And he's worried about our joy. And he says this. He says, there's not a circumstance you can go through that will take away this joy. No one can steal it from you. People cannot take away that joy. People. And people try. I turned out of Elder's Mill this morning on the way here, I'm going to start calling these segments in my sermon Adventures with Barry Driving. Because I pulled out and there was a Honda Accord that was going 9 million miles an hour that I did not recognize was going. I looked to the right and I didn't see a car. I just saw this little black dot. And I knew it was a teenager that was driving because they had their little... I didn't realize teenagers still put the little things around there their mirrors, like the tassel things or whatever. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. We did that, but I thought it was kind of weird then too. And man, she was pedal to the metal. And she got right up on me. And I did the holy thing, and I tapped my brakes. And that did not make her happy. But I was trying to help her not get a ticket because they always sit in Turin, right there in Turin, and they always sit in Sharpsburg, and I was just trying to help this poor girl's parents out, and I was, didn't want her to get grounded. Um, had I knew who her parents were, I'd have called them and told them that their daughter was driving and trying to steal my joy on the way to church to preach about joy. People can't steal your joy. Now, here's how you can let people steal your joy. You can give it to them. 
See, I want you to understand something. No one has the right or the ability to steal your joy unless you allow them that right or ability. You have to give it to them. If you're more concerned about what they think than what God thinks about you, then you've given it to them. If you're more concerned about what someone posts on social media than about what God thinks, then you've given it to them. People can't steal your joy. You can only give them that. No circumstances, not people, not anything. Why? Here's why. I want you to understand why. Your joy is rooted in the work and the life of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, not the external things that we face. Not the external things that we face. Does that mean you're not going to face hardships? No, actually, he tells them right here, you're going to have trials. At the first of this chapter, he says, when, when people kill you, they're going to think they're doing the right thing. And you're going to face trials, and you're going to face tribulation. But my joy will be made complete in you because of the work and the, how rooted you are in me. And that's what joy brings. Nothing can steal your joy. 1 Corinthians 15.55 says this, and I'll turn it over. It says this, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? If I had to say one thing that people dread the most is death. People dread death. Now, I want to say something to you. I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of getting dead, but I'm not afraid to die. Are you with me? It's the process of getting dead that I'm worried about, right? But I'm not afraid to die. Well, why is that? Well, because Jesus' completed mission brings me joy. And I already know the outcome here. Paul is saying here in Corinthians, he says, hey, listen, death, where is your sting? You don't have a sting anymore. There is no sting. Why? Because I truly believe that one moment I will be here and the next moment I will be in the presence of the Lord. Immediately, just like I blinked my eyes. Just like I blinked my eyes. Our joy is to be rooted in the completed mission that Jesus has done for us. But it gets gooder and gooder, all right? The bridge has been completed. Jesus says, you're going to have this joy, and you're going to have this joy because in a little while you're going to scatter, and you're going to mourn, and you're going to weep, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to have an overwhelming joy that no one can take away from you because of the mission that I'm going to do. And oh, by the way, from that point going forward, because you follow me, I want you to know that the bridge has been completed. We see that in a physical way, and we're going to look at it later on. We see that in a physical way when the Scriptures record that the holy of holy, the curtain separating us from God was torn from the top, not the bottom, from the top to the bottom. The holy of holies was opened up and the access to God was now available to us. And Jesus says, you don't have to ask me to ask God because God loves you because you follow me. 
and now you have access to God again. Well, what's he talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Genesis chapter 3, I want to turn there. In Genesis chapter 3, and you can tell that Lynn's out of town because usually he would put these scriptures up, but I'm too lazy. So I'm just going to read them to you. Genesis, I did the slides for the next two, last two weeks, all right? Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says this. It says, I'll just start with 22. It says, Then the Lord said, Look at the human being have, uh, have not become like us, knowing that have now become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground for which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed cherubim uh, to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And man, I've read that so many times, and I've never really thought, well, why in the world would he say that if we eat from the tree of life, that we would live forever? Why would he not want that to occur? Well, let me tell you why he wouldn't want that to occur. Because... You and I are in a fallen state. And because we're in a fallen state, God loved us enough to not leave us in a fallen state. He did not want us to live forever in a fallen state. And so He banished us, and right there at the very moment where He banished us, and I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, verse 15, where we see... The first, this is the first, um, the, the first prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. It says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's talking to the, to the devil. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and, and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head. And it says, but you'll only bruise his heel. And he will strike your head. That's the first prophecy of Jesus Christ right there. And so later on we see that God had banished them and because he, would, he banished them, He banished them and there was a divide that took place between God and man because God can have no place without holiness. You can't approach God without a holiness. You can't. He has to be east to west from it. He has to be because of His goodness and His holiness. And so He banished them out but immediately started the plan to take back what was lost. And he would do that through a people who he would choose, the Israelites, and bring forth the Messiah and the story of the Old Testament and the prophecies of the Old Testament is weaving his way through until we see the birth of Christ. That's what is occurring. There is a separation that has taken place. There is a divide that has took place. And the divide is between God and man. And we see a system of works in the Old Testament that never were meant, that never were meant to take the place of the work of Christ. They couldn't. They couldn't because they were flawed. But Jesus was perfect. And so the bridge has been completed because the work of Christ was completed on the cross, and that brings us joy. Are you with me? Is everybody with me? Am I going too fast? I hope not. God sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our own good. 
And Jesus taught them this, starting in verse 23. He says, listen, I want you to know something. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and He will grant your request because you use my name. Now, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive. And then He says, and you will have abundant joy. That's why whenever we pray, we petition God, we thank God, we tell Him of His greatness, and at the end, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is saying, because you follow me, you don't need to ask me. You need to pray directly to the Father. Listen, you guys, it's one of the issues, and I definitely don't want to knock on things, but it's one of the issues that I personally have with the Catholic Church, is that you, they, there's, a, there's a thought that you have to petition someone here to rid you of that. Now listen, I do counseling, I do, I do things that people come and tell me things, and, and I try to help them, and I try to counsel them, but here's, here's what I want you to understand. You have a direct connection with God through Christ. When people come to me and they say, listen, I want to tell you something. God told me to tell you something. And I know they mean well. And I'll listen to them. But I'm going to tell you something. If it doesn't line up with the scripture and it doesn't line up with what I know God's been telling me, then I take that thing and throw it in the trash. As a matter of fact, if someone comes and tells you God told me something, that's a huge red flag. You know why? Because if you're a follower of Christ... Guess who God can tell? You. That's who he can tell. You don't have to listen to someone else. Most of the time, when people say, God told me to tell you, it means, hey, I don't like what you're doing, or I think you're wrong. And so God, them, told me to tell you this. Now, I say that to say this. Our name has no power. It has no power. It doesn't. Jesus' name has power. And we come to God only because Jesus has covered and built the bridge. He has built the bridge for the divide. It's interesting. Wendy and I have a friend who is crazy wealthy. And uh, he's a good guy. He lives in Nashville, but he's crazy wealthy. He, he, he ended up making a lot of money, like obscene money. And uh, Wendy and I were invited to go to a game. And uh, it was at the, the Titan Stadium. And um, let me just say, I, I just want to tell you, um, if, if you hear that I've gone to a game and I got lower level seats, Someone gave me those tickets because I'm a cheap joker and I'm not paying crazy money to see on the lower level. And I always say, I just like to watch the plays being formed. No, that's not the truth. The truth is I'm just cheap, you know, and I'll just sit in the upper level with all the other poor schmucks up there, you know. I don't want to be uppity. I don't like being uppity. You know, there's some expectations that come when you've got the good seats. I like being up there with the crazies. You know what I mean? Wendy and I went to the Falcons game the other day, and it was just us and all the crazies up there in the top level. So if you hear if I got great seats at a game, somebody gave them to me. 
like this situation. We go up, and there's a private escalator for these at the, at the Titan Center. There's a private escalator. And all the poor schmucks are walking up the ramps, but there's this private escalator, and there's a lady standing there. And I walked up, and she looked at me. Judgmentally, I might add. And she said, can I help you? I said, yeah, our seats are up there. She says, do you have your pass? And I looked at her. And I said, yes, I do. And what you going to do about it, homegirl? Took that pass, put it over my neck. She said, oh, well, come right this way. Let me tell y'all something. The rich live well, y'all. There's a whole nother level. We walked into this suite, and there was a guy standing there, and there was a buffet of food. Now, I'm not talking about Golden Corral buffet, all right? I'm, I'm talking about buffet. Carved meat. They had a buffet. They had a taco bar that was crazy. And I walk out, and there's TVs all over. Guys, there's private bathrooms in these things. There's a kitchen. You can wash your hands. You walk out, and if you want to experience the poor schmucks that couldn't afford it, you walk out, and they've got cushioned seats, like 16 of them. You walk out in the cushioned seats. There's air conditioner blowing in your face. You're watching the game. And I don't know why they do this, but right down from you, you can almost see the heads of the people that are around you. It's almost like to let them look and say, man, I wish I was that guy. So I came out, I got my Coke Zero and sat there like a king. I did. So here's the thing. I had no business being there. I didn't make, I didn't make any money to get there. I didn't. I, was, I just knew a guy. Are you with me? I just knew a guy. I just did. But here's the cool thing. I got all of the same experiences. I got all of the same benefits. I got all of the same treatment as the guy that I knew. Guys, listen, I want you to understand something. When you know Christ, you know a guy. And you get all of the same treatment. You get all of the same benefits. And when you go and you begin to pray, and God begins to listen, and you begin to talk about Christ, He goes, well, well, hold on. Because all He knows is Christ and Him crucified for you and for me. And He knows in Jesus' name, we can talk to the Father directly. And that, that should bring you overwhelming joy. The bridge has been built and we have been restored. We are no longer, as Romans says, in Romans 5 says, in Adam. We are no longer in Adam, that fallen nature. Now, guess who we are? We are in Adam. Christ, a new creation in Christ. Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked because Jesus has overcome the world. 
Jesus has overcome the world. In John 16, 33, it says, Jesus has overcome the world. Overcome there means to gain victory over. And I thought it would be a cool thing to let you hear something really cool from Revelation. Telling how it's going to end. It says, Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11 says this. If you got the notes, that will be noted there. It says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth. And the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. That is overwhelming joy. Jesus tells you your life isn't going to be easy, but joy can be had because he has overcome the world. Now, what does it mean for me and you? And what are we going to do with it? Here's what it means. It means you have a Savior that loves you enough to open the doors of heaven to the Father. That's what it means. It means that Jesus has provided a way for eternal life for you. It means that, you, that no matter what you face, you can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. It means that the stress and anxiety that you face is only for a short time. Season. It means that you can have joy in the midst of trials. It means that death no longer has a sting. It means that fear no longer has power over you and I. It means that your life here is just a vapor and that your real life is found eternally in Christ. That's why Romans chapter 8 Verses 31 through 39 says this. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we no longer, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus has overcome the world. And that should turn your sadness into joy. Because Jesus has overcome the world. And for that, 
He deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise that you and I can muster up from now to eternity. He deserves it. And I want to give it to him. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the cross and your sacrifice for us. And thank you for giving yourself so that we can have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for who you are in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you turn our sadness into joy. God, we can't do it on our own. Lord, when we come to you, we have to do it in Jesus' name. Because he is our representative. And his sacrifice has built a bridge to you. The curtain has been torn from top to bottom. And we now have access to you because of the love that we have found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to follow him because we know that his sacrifice has turned our sadness into joy. And nothing can ever separate us, God, from you. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Not that we won't face trials or tribulations. Not that life won't be hard. God, let us have a joy welling up within us because of the sacrifice that you have made. The Lord, death has no sting. No sting. Whom shall we fear then? He answers, no one. Let us live our lives with that in mind. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.